Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 404 on a Thursday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Derek Taylor, Clayton Croker in the Stoon. Did I say that right, Clayton? The Stoon? That's our word, man. Only people from Saskatoon oh. can say the stoon. People from Regina, you just you're you're trying too hard, bud. You're dry, you're trying too hard. You're describing my entire life to this point. Yeah, so true. Well, I thought the stoon was. I can't. We you shouldn't use that. I thought the stoon was the hated one. Or is it, it is hated. Okay. It's hated, but if if you're from Saskatoon, you're kind of grandfathered in. Back okay. in like the '80s and the '90s, it was cool, but just like Jenko jeans, it's not cool anymore. So, uh, but we're grandfathered in. Everyone else, though, no, just no. All no. right, in Saskatoon proper, Clayton Croker, Sean Kleisinger alongside this show. We've got Marshall Ferguson on a ton of CFL news, Arash Madani, and it's Thursday. That means fine tailored suits with Glenn Suter, Zinger. Tripping, falling directly to the floor, ripping a cable in half, destroying a pair of headphones along the way. That is not amazing. Um, Zinger, as he says, he is wrecking stuff. We're wrecking stuff here on the cage. We love having you with us. 306-936-6262. You can call or text the show. We love having you alongside. We're going to start the rumors about where's Brandon Banks going to go as the Ticats said goodbye to him. The Riders announced their coaching staff with minor changes and some updating for 2022. What else we got? The Elks, after signing a bunch of guys yesterday, they release a bunch of guys today as Chris Jones shapes his roster. We'll talk about the complicated story of Ben Roethlisberger in his retirement. And, oh, just breaking now, Elliot Friedman, Kane's deal in Edmonton, speaking of Evander Kane, is done. Approximate $2.1 million cap hit, seven hundred fifty grand in salary, six hundred twenty-five dollars up front, full no-movement clause. Someone then tweeted, imagine knowingly purchasing a migraine headache. Evander Kane's an oiler, Clayton. Didn't see this coming a couple weeks ago. Like, when the rumors first started, it was like, yeah, okay, and Grizzly Adams has a beard. Um, Happy Gilmore reference, put it on the board. There you go. Um, But that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, the worse it got for the Oilers, it was like, okay, the more reality it's going to happen. But then the Oilers started turning it around. Like, they've won two in a row. Spirits are high. And that's just the emotional roller coaster of being an Oiler fan. Hey, you lose however many in a row, and then two wins, and you're like, no, nope, plan the parade again. We're back, right? But I don't know if this is oh, just, it's so hard to tell if this is like the missing secondary scoring piece that is just this awesome, risky move that's going to pay off, or if this is just going to lead to complete disaster. At this point, I don't think anybody knows, and I, truthfully, I think it can go both ways. I think it's a 50 50 shot either way. Oh, Oh, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. To me, it's one they can squeeze under the salary cap because uh, they mm-hmm. are not in a great cap position. We've talked about it a ton with Alan Mitchell on Wednesdays and, and Rachel Dory as well. They're not in a good cap position. And you can get a guy with the ceiling of Evander Kane for the minimal price of a $2.1 million cap hit for a half a season. Okay. Uh, I, I guess it's not exactly, you know, uh, selling your soul to the devil but 
you are willingly getting in bed with a guy who has had some problems in this league, including a 21-game suspension for fake vaccine cards, misrepresenting his vaccine status. It's It's been a long season in Evander Kane's, in Evander Kane's world. Even if you take out all of the gambling and all of the vaccine stuff and all of the other stuff, he still doesn't have a good track record, right? Like, if you just focus on, like, the, the hockey stuff, like the locker room stuff, was he liked in Winnipeg? No. Absolutely not. No. Was he liked in Buffalo? Absolutely mm. not. We know how his teammates in San Jose liked him. They want him off the team. So, like, you you take away all the legal stuff, all the stuff outside the rink, the personal stuff that, you know, some people can just, they have that switch. And it just seems like Evander Kane has that switch where it's like, hey, I'm in hockey mode. Because how can you go through bankruptcy in public, right? All oh. of these issues in public, you're getting just destroyed on Twitter on a daily basis. And yet, he still had a pretty good year with the Sharks last season. Yeah. Like, he was pretty good. Like, he's a good hockey player. But there's so much baggage that comes along with him, like off the ice and, again, in the locker room, too. It just seems like his teammates hate his guts. Uh, the Oilers better be rock solid in that regard because they could use some secondary scoring, as you say, but you, you've got to have everything else come completely in line or else this is just a desperation YOLO ball up the middle and, and hope it, it comes down. We'll talk more. You thought you thought the answers were pissy before. The answers <laughs> are going to get a lot more pissy at uh, at Oilers' uh, post-game press conferences that they start losing with Evander Kane in the lineup. Jim Matheson is just waiting for his opportunity to poke the bear on that one. We have some Duke Williams news, which we will discuss in the Ooh. next block. The big news from the Riders is they've announced their coaching staff. For the 2022 season, it includes Jason Shivers and Jason Moss both getting contract extensions through 2023. So these guys aren't on the last year of their deal. They'll be on a two-year deal now. Paul Jones, the assistant general manager, also extended to 2023, which brings them in line with Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. Both those guys have contracts through 2023. So everybody we mentioned there, Shivers, Moss, Paul Jones, all getting one-year contract extensions which that's that's a nice sign and honestly it absolutely deserved based on where the riders have been the last two years under shivers and last season under moss was at least something worth exploring let's let's keep looking at jason moss Oh, absolutely. I think continuity is a big thing on a football team. I mean, just look at some of the quarterbacks. When you just keep going through coordinators every year, every second year, those quarterbacks struggle. Just keep the coordinators there until they get promoted to a head coaching job. Like, that's what's going to happen with Shivers. He's eventually going to be hired as a head coach in this league, right? But yeah. keep him for as long as you can. Like, I don't think, like, the coordinators are good. Jason Moss, the head coach in the past, great track record as an OC. And I, I just I like the coaching staff as it is right now. I, I didn't think there was any need to explore elsewhere. Like they say, green. It, it's not always greener. Oh, what's the line I'm looking for here? I'm grass totally isn't greener on the grass other side. isn't always greener. There we go. Dash one for today. Ho for one. Yikes.
Blown Metaphors won. Happy Gilmore won. All right. We'll just go with uh, Mark that down. Uh, Kyle Carson promoted to assistant GM. He joined the Riders from the Stampeders in 2019. Minor changes. Kent Majeri now special teams coordinator. He was the special teams coach last season. He was the running back coach the season before. Kent Majeri stays on. Kelly Jeffrey, the one named to join the Riders. He takes over as running backs coach. He was with the Elks for the 2020 calendar year uh he was with the argos he spent a decade as the offensive coordinator and then the head coach at mount allison university kelly jeffrey also apparently a big special teams mind from football folks i, I know who tell me things about him kelly jeffrey uh, the riders excited to have him alongside steven sorrels back as offensive line coach adding in the run game coordinator position travis moore as receivers Dion melvin as linebackers ben olsen on the defensive line, and the Riders say they will add a defensive back coach in the future. Mentioned a couple weeks ago, Richard Kent has taken a job in uh, the in the European Football League. Uh, Kent was the coach who was left home uh, for the West Final for vaccination reasons. He's moved on, so they're looking to add a defensive back coach in the future. Some other changes along the way. Chad Hudson, of course, their uh, analytics guy, went to Ottawa, so they have uh, replaced him with uh, Nick Boley, now the manager of video and analytics. But uh, here we go. It's continuity. Once Craig Dickinson, Clayton, got the coaching staff he wanted, and he got it for 2020, 2021, and, and such, uh, no reason to change anything, no reason to rock the boat. And I think as long as Craig Dickinson is there, I think all is good. I find him such a calming presence as a head coach, right? Yeah. And he was the special teams guy for so long. Seems like the fans really love him. Just seems like he has such a good relationship with this community. I think no matter who the coordinators are, like obviously coordinators are a, are a big deal. But I think we got our guy at, at, at the head coaching position, right? And that's the biggest thing. I think that's the biggest sigh of relief for Ryder fans where it's like, okay, exhale you know we, we still got craig dickinson if anything else kind of happens I, I think he's the guy to kind of be good with change funny story too you're talking kelly jeffrey yeah. long time ago kelly jeffrey tried to recruit this guy wow he, kelly he, jeffrey tried to make me go to mount allison back in the day this is before he knew about my pick six problem though. Was, this was after this was after high school and this was when i still had some talent when i hey. when i didn't I, when I then I started drinking a lot of rye, and that's when I went a little downhill. But uh, yeah. they could have used more scoring in the AUS. Hey, they they could have Atlantic Canada needed some more scoring. Sixes going He's, to. God. He saw my high school highlight tape on YouTube. I think it's still up there, by the way. But no. my high school, my high school, I had like three post-secondary receivers. Two of them played Huskies, and then yeah, one of them played for the Hilltops for like five years. So my team was stacked. We had like everybody. And then, uh, yeah, obviously went to junior, didn't work out. So, yeah, Kelly Jeffrey saw my high school tape, and I remember he sent me a couple emails trying to go out there. Rings a, rings a bell. 341 views for Clayton Croker highlight Boom. tape. Boom. Let's Q go. QB Croaks. Look at that corner route he throws. A little five-step drop awkwardly across the middle and down to the oh cross midfield down to the 45 yard line croker now five step drop again guns a little corner out again on target at the 40 beautifully done croker straight drop max protection air ball let's okay oh, to the you five. don't have to patronize me here let's look at, no look at these throws oh that dude is wide open that was a oh no that was actually tight coverage this one camera thing is fooling me man oh that's a hell of a catch oh my goodness there's some great catches in this thing that's a nice ball on the field side out, buddy. 
This is all right. Clayton Croker's highlight tape available on YouTube. That's all right, man. I like that. The, the Hillis brothers who played for the Huskies, they're in that tape. And uh, John Trumpy, who led the uh, U of S Huskies one here in receiving. So Yeah, someone someone said, a.k.a. the John Trumpy, Steve Bariski highlight tape. Yeah, they were the uh, guys who played for the Huskies for a long time. They're, uh, yeah, they're quite the football players. I, oh, I love it. I love that that's what you get to see yourself from 10 years ago. That's so cool that that uh, that still exists on YouTube. Uh, you talked about Craig Dickinson. Uh, Zinger, if you were st- if you're done breaking things over there. Uh, done for the day, hopefully. Yeah. Give me the thing you like most about Craig Dickinson. I love his demeanor. I, I like his calm presence. I-, I think he's a really good leader. He, he takes blame for things. He doesn't... Uh, you know, you see coaches around, not the CFL, but in professional sports as a whole, sometimes you'll find those coaches that throw people under the bus. Yeah. But, like, Craig Dickinson, like, he knows when he makes a mistake. He's not afraid to admit it. And I just like, like, everything about the dude. That's what stands out for me for sure. Yeah. my I think my favorite thing is that he he understands what his job is. Like there are There are head coaches who want to be everything. Yeah, but you'll you'll hear him say more than a few times a year. Oh, what's going to happen on the offensive line? Well, that's up to Jason Moss to decide what we're going to do there. That'll be up to Jason Shivers to decide. He he lets the coordinators mm-hmm. do their thing, right? And for a guy like Moss, who's been a head coach, you you think, okay, well, yeah, Jason knows how this all that's works. Good point. For yeah. for a guy like Jason Shivers, who hadn't been a coordinator before 2019, think of how empowering that would be. And then on the next, you know, as you take this to steps, one, it helps you within the team. But when Shivers goes for his next job, when he wants to move up the food chain, as it were, well, my my head coach did this for me. And look at all this uh, autonomy. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Look at the autonomy I had and the decision making. So I am ready for this opportunity because of this. It's an ancillary benefit to what Dickinson does. But Dickinson knows, hey, we hired this guy, and we keep hiring this guy because he is great at this thing. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let him do this thing. And, yes, Jeremy O'Day and I will be consulted and weigh in where necessary, but for the most part, he describes it as he lets his coordinators do their job, and I I love that part about him too. I also like how he has, like, other interests outside of football. Like he he loves to snowboard. He yep. loves to ski. He loves to uh, rides he, his bike to work. He rides his bike. He 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 uh, he loves his music. You know, like a lot of the times, you, coaches when you hear them, you come to think that they sleep under their desks at work, right? But yeah, that's what I like about them too. Well, and he passes that along to yeah. the coaches, and we're you know we're given. We, we've had times where we've said, oh, you guys got busted. Are you really giving the players the week off? It's like, yeah, we're absolutely giving the players the week off. Yeah. They, they need it to go home, and they're going to do their thing. He, That's another one. He's got great perspective about football. Uh, to steal a line from Ted Lasso, football is life. Yeah, But it's not your whole life, if you know what I mean, because you still you, you give your everything when you're there, but you got a family. And you got other things you need to be taken care of. So uh, great to have most of the coaching staff back looking to add a defensive back coach in the future. Are the Riders will uh, hopefully get a chance to talk to uh, one of the Jasons tomorrow on the cage. Excited for that. It is 419 Duke Williams news next. 420 with the afternoon rush. Tiger Cats announced Thursday the football club and receiver Brandon Banks have mutually agreed to part ways. 
Banks played in 111 games over eight seasons with the Tabbies, winning the league's MOP in 2019. He won the most outstanding special teams player in 2015, and he was a four-time CFL All-Star. And no more comebacks for Ben Roethlisberger. The two-time Super Bowl champion announced his retirement on Thursday. Roethlisberger spent 18 seasons as the Steelers quarterback. And the Denver Broncos, they're finalizing a deal to make Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, the team's new head coach, first reported by Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. And the Raiders, they have put in a request to interview Patriots OC Josh McDaniels for their head coaching job. And I think the Bears hired a head coach today too, but they still suck. So I forgot, I forgot to add that in here. I just remembered that. What doesn't suck, though, is the 2021 Saskatchewan Sport Awards Gala. It's celebrated virtually tonight. The Saskatchewan Sport Awards celebrate the outstanding achievements of individuals in the province's amateur sport community and it will be hosted by the man himself Derek Taylor the fun starts at 7 p.m on YouTube premiere DT Matt Eberflus is the man the Bears have hired oh we, yeah that guy a Matt Eberflus wrote Zager's just NFC North he's only only yeah, one team that. that's all that's all good <laughs> on that one uh on YouTube Clayton Croker highlight tape Clayton 45 seconds into this you, th- you, I think it's three-step drop, an absolute dime before the safety gets across. Whoever it is is going up the rail into uh, into the red zone. You just drop a dime here right down the chimney. This is a beautiful ball. That's a nice throwing motion, man. That's a nice throwing motion. It reminds, me of, it reminds man, we... me of Aaron Rodgers at Cal, man. Oh. <laughs> Under Can Jeff we Tessie. reschedule Marshall Ferguson and just pump my tires for the next, like, 45 minutes here? No, boys. Like, again, my high school team was really good. I went to Holy Cross, and, like, Holy Cross, as you know, like, dominates the high school football scene, at least in Saskatoon. I know Regina has beaten them a lot in the provincial finals, whatever. But uh, that's it, it was all the program. It wasn't me. I got I got Trent Dilford. The team made me look really good. Those receivers aren't making those throws, man. Like, come on now. Give, yeah. give some praise. Put it on the Twitter. Get the riders to sign me. Let's go. I love it. I, hey, we don't know who's going to be the backup or the third stringer this year. So, position is open. All right, we need to talk about Duke Williams because what have we been doing on the show for the last month? Talking about Duke Williams. Do you have good news or bad news? Well, I don't know if it's anything anything in particular if you can say, is it good news or bad news? I need one of those oxygen things on my finger right now. I feel like I'm losing my oxygen. <laughs> What's happening? Uh, as you know, free agency starts in February, but players can start talking to other teams as of the 30th. Duke Williams on Twitter earlier today, quote, I'll be making my decision where I'm signing next week. So he won't take the full time. All the way up to the deadline. He's going to tell us next week where he's going to sign. I don't know what to think of that. Is that good or bad? Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know. If it's before the official free agency starts, maybe that's a bit of a good thing. I don't know. I don't Just know. DK. Watching you work. Clayton, is that good or bad? Honestly, I don't know. It's scary. No, <laughs> it's scary, but I don't know if it's scary good or scary bad. You brought up a good point how... I think it was last or yesterday 
where is it good that the riders have kind of been a little hush-hush on the free agents uh, news lately? Ah, I don't know if that's good or bad news either. Like, maybe they're getting all their ducks in a row. I remember last year they were doing, like, a free agent signing a day, right? It was, like, 13 days in a row, like an advent calendar. You just got a treat every single day. Yeah. But this year it's been a little slower. I mean, at the start with Nick Marshall and stuff like that, yeah, okay, but it's been a little bit of a lull for sure. I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, yeah, and this week in signings, it's been Mike Yadam, a couple of Americans who haven't been in the CFL, and then uh, coaches were, were named today. Duke's going to decide. Honestly, it's a sweet move on his part if you're Duke Williams to go, hey, uh, I'm going to be decided next week, so be sure to get your offers in because I'm Duke Williams and you are not, right? Back up the money trucks. Here's my address. Just bring it right to the door. I will take what I need. $240,000 and go. You so I, I'm with you in that. I do not know what, what to make of that, but just we're going to have Duke Williams news next. Well, he said he's going to decide. Uh, he didn't say he'd be telling us where he'll decide. You know, the more day, the more that the, uh, the Three, more that the two. days go by, yeah. I get worried that he's going to be going to Winnipeg because Winnipeg hasn't uh, brought back Kenny, Kenny Lawler. Lawler and Darvin Adams is not there, and you know I just I got a I got a thing in my stomach right now. I'm not feeling good. I can barely talk. Okay, we got a couple minutes. What are the biggest disasters for Duke Williams? One, Winnipeg. That's Winnipeg. Two, Calgary. Yes. Yeah. Three, Hamilton to replace Brandon Banks. Um, four, well, Edmonton's got it pretty high as far as disasters go, and then because they're in the West, BC, uh, and then I kind of don't care. Montreal's got well, Montreal's got a bunch of free agents. Ottawa is obviously a disaster for him. Uh, Saskatchewan would be the place to be, but yeah. Honestly, Winnipeg, just Calgary, just no. Winna, like Winnipeg for me. What Win- if he went to Calgary and it was Bagleton, Kamar Jordan, and Duke Williams? Wow, that's a disaster. That is that ain't good. Mm. Yeah, Winnipeg and Calgary. <laughs> so we we have to uh, Clayton. We've got to make our pitch for Duke Williams sometime next week. Then. We I don't think ready. he's going to Calgary. I mean, I think no. I think they're I think Calgary is too crowded with like elite receivers. I think right now in Saskatchewan, he knows he can be like the guy, and then Kyron and Shaq can be like the perfect complement guys. I don't know how he fits in Calgary's offense. I think there's uh, too many chefs in the kitchen there. But like we have Shaq, Kyron, you know, Shafe and Bake. We we have like these guys. Like Winnipeg doesn't have anybody under contract right now. From what like Bailey's not under contract. Just Dembski. Yeah, just Dem- like that's what that's what worries me about it. Yeah, Dembski and I think maybe Brendan O'Leary Orange. It's almost like they're Dembski. they're saving some leftover money here for 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 Duke to sign. Well, Lawler if they would, have any after Kolaris. Lawler would have been a minimum salary guy. Darvin would have made decent money. Bailey, I think, would have been minimum salary um, as far as Americans go. Could they can't possibly right? You can't possibly. But then I, who knows, who knows? But that's the disaster. Calgary's the number two disaster. Duke, come home. Let us know next week. Just just send out a little green heart on Twitter, with a watermelon right next to it. Can you imagine if you just tweeted a watermelon and that was it? Oh man! There you go. That's He'd all. Break Twitter. <laughs> Twitter would go down. It would. It's four twenty-eight. We have a ton to talk about. From the Canadian Football League, Marshall Ferguson, who called Brandon Banks games for many years, joins us next. Banks and the Ticats going their separate ways. 
What does the future hold for the 2019 MOP? That's coming up in the cage. The text line is open at 306-936-6262, your direct line to the sports cage. One big number for this day is 2023. All of the big-time riders coaches now signed up through the 2023 CFL season. The riders extending defensive coordinator Jason Shivers and offensive coordinator Jason Moss today. Their contracts now line up with head coach Craig Dickinson, GM Jeremy O'Day, and now assistant GM Paul Jones as well as he got extended on this day. Looking good in green for two seasons to come. One big number brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Marshall Ferguson, Canadian Football Perspective in just a moment on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Uh, Shane from Assiniboia is on the text line. Did Duke Williams play for Chris Jones? He did not. Duke came to the CFL in 2017 with Edmonton. Jones would have moved here by that time. He came here in 2016. So uh, Duke never did play for Chris Jones, but some are drawing that connection. Ugh. Just, just no, just no, no. That's officially number three on my disaster list. That'll be number three now. I don't know if he could beat out a Darius Bowman, though, man. That guy is in his prime. (laughs) You don't forget that. Uh, (laughs) Marshall Ferguson, was there any point where where Duke would not have beat out a Darius Bowman for a job? I guess 2017. Well, no, 2016. Uh, I don't know if they ever played together, actually. I I don't think so. Like, I mean, Duke was probably doing Duke things when he was 14. So yeah, that's for true. me, it's it's like a Darius in his prime is like, well, Duke just wasn't up here yet to me. It's like, yeah, if he if he was up here, that's probably what we'd be looking at. But I, I'm actually writing a story right now before I hopped on with you here, DT, to uh, to talk about the signings of Manny Arsenault and Darius Bowman. And I got to admit, the first visual that came to my mind because I went, well, they're not going to they're not going to keep both of them, are they? Like, would that be what the plan is here is that Chris Jones brings these guys in they They both get through training camp and all the rest. And I just thought of Heath Ledger from the dark Knight. which by the way, I looked it up. The dark Knight is now 13 years old. It came out in 2008, which is yeah. shocking, shocking to me. But anyways, it, it, the scene where he ends up snapping the pool cue over his knee, he says, we're aggressively expanding and then tosses <laughs> it onto the floor and says, make it quick and walks <laughs> out. And it's like, that's what training camp is going to be. Cause you're not going to keep both those guys at the end. So it's like, yeah, they're all going to be competing for jobs on the roster. But don't you think every time that Manny makes a catch, Darius, damn. And every time a Darius makes a catch, Manny's like, damn. Cause they know, like they know that they are, there is one veteran older guy receiver position probably available on that team. There's, they're both well okay Darius is tearing a hamstring in training camp come on like he's been away from the game for so long he's he moved on to another career like he did not play in 2019 at all like Man- yeah, many yeah, hasn't it's... played since 19 but Darius did not even play in 2019 and in 2018 it was a bad season for a guy who was a yeah. great receiver two years prior yeah, I agree. And for me, it's one of those things where it seems like a great idea and it's going to be a lot of fun. And then you come back in and three days into training camp, you're like, oh, I'm a little sore, but this isn't awful. And then you're six days into training camp and it's like, 
okay, I probably need like a day off here at some point. And Chris Jones probably gives the veteran guys a day here, day there. You go through a game for the first time. The first time you get popped after a while, oh. I, I think that's when you probably start to go, should I should I be doing this? Like, is my body in the right? And again, he's not, this is not somebody who is being reckless with their body, who is, uh, you know, at the end of his career as a receiver at 38, 39. And it's like, it's not safe for you to be out there. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think there's a reality check that will come at some point, as it usually does. I mean, hell, DT, you, you and I both speak to CFL veteran guys all the time. And whether it's when they are retired or when they're on the edge of retirement, they always end up admitting at some point, yeah, that was when I made up my mind because that training camp or that game or that hit that I took, that woke me up and made me realize that I'm not as young as I used to be. So yeah. I wish all the success in the world for those guys. But I do think when that moment of reality hits – that's when it'll get interesting for those two. Yeah. Uh, the Elks making a bunch of cuts today, including Jonathan Mincy, the cornerback, and longtime punter Hugh O'Neill. We'll discuss those a little later uh, in the cage. Uh, the big news is the Ticats and Brandon Banks are going their separate ways. And I know you saw a ton of Brandon Banks calling Ticats games, and you've certainly studied him in depth. I guess the question is what's next for Banks? Yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, it would be obviously a lot of speculation at this point to understand where his best fit would be in the Canadian Football League. I hope that he stays in the CFL. I hope that this isn't some sort of play to go down and be in one of those fringe alternative leagues because I don't consider the CFL to be a fringe alternative league. And I, I do think that he will have suitors. I just... For me, it was one of those things where he's an older guy, again, receiver, older. Uh, you know, there might have been some people this past year who thought he lost a step. I didn't. I just thought he was injured. I, th I thought it took him yeah. a little bit of time to get back up to speed. Same uh, conversation we had about Shaq Evans not that long ago, where it's like he, he didn't have a bad season because he sucks. He he had a slightly worse season, it did Brandon Banks, because he was dinged and he couldn't get into a rhythm and the quarterbacks were changing and the offensive line was an issue in Hamilton. So there were a lot of things at play there, but I do think that he certainly has more in that tank. And for me, the first thing that I kind of went to when I saw the news was, wow, you know, there it's so funny, DT, there's however many hundreds of free agents that we see every year right now based on how the CBA is structured in the CFL. And there's only about a handful of times where my jaw drops in the three, four months, of the CFL off season with actual roster news. Sometimes it's quarterback news. It usually is, but this was one of those. And the reason I say that is Brandon Banks has done so much within the organization. Like honestly, his story of coming in and <laughs> dazzling everybody with that East final in 2013 and then, or 2014, I should say, and then almost winning Hamilton, the great cup when he should have, if it weren't for the Taylor Reed block against Calgary in 2014, in the great cup. And then he battles his way back into the great cup. And then he ends up getting his, his hip popping out. Essentially he breaks his collarbone in 2018, like ends back to back years with injuries. Mm. 2020 he's off. I talked to him about one of the bad hurricanes that was coming through in 2020 down there. And, in Carolina and he was like fleeing the area with his family. And he said, man, I just wish I was in Canada right now. Like I, it, it was August, it was hurricane season. And he was saying, I just, I hate being down here right now. I shouldn't be here. I should be up there playing football. So he's gone through so many of these ups and downs. And the biggest one that came to mind for me, and this obviously has a Saskatchewan time because the name I'm about to say, but was Kent Austin and Kent Austin is a, is a great football coach and a tremendous part of, of recent modern CFL history. But Kent Austin did not, would not acknowledge that Brandon Banks could be more in Hamilton yes. than, a, than a returner. 
And, yeah. and he, he did not have that belief. And I talked to Brandon about this. I forget when it was, but he was pretty candid about it where he said, I was on people, offensive coordinators, positional coaches, all the rest. I was miserable. And, and you don't think of Brandon Banks as miserable when you think of his time in Hamilton. But if you go back and you watch games from 2014, 15, 16, especially 17 when they began 0-8, there are points where Banks, is, his body language is awful and he's sulking. And, all, and it's because he knew he had more in him. And it took Kent Austin getting let go and June Jones coming in mm-hmm. for the Ticats to find out what he could be. And I, I remember asking June about this where I said, Kent never thought of him as a receiver. What about him made you think that he could not only be a receiver, but play the the X, the boundary wide receiver in your run and shoot offense where the receiver's got to make so many reads. And it's so funny. It's like the old ball coach kind of thing where he just has an eye for talent. I'll never forget June going, I took one look at him and he was a receiver. He said, I don't care. I don't care about his frame. He said, I saw the way he was running routes. He was beating people. Nobody could cover him when I first came in here. I was scouting games before I came up and I just thought, why is he not playing receiver? He's one of your most talented players. Now, June has a history of taking undersized guys and making them superstars, which obviously he did with with Brandon. But that was kind of my thought was, man, Speedy was a sensation in Hamilton for five years, and he ain't even get to play receiver. Like, that can was... you imagine if he was a receiver in those five years? It, and it was stark. Right. When Jones said, OK, you're in. And then you look at the numbers, you go 14 games. He puts up 1,423 yards in 14 games, 11 touchdowns, wins the MOP the next year, 16 games, uh, 112 catches for 1550. So once he became a full time receiver and kind of the focus there, uh, 100 yards a game and almost a touchdown a game. And you go, yeah, that's uh that is a, I mean, that's a real miss. That's a real miss, but all props to Banks for a guy who is dramatically undersized. I was so impressed in 19 with how he could, he could win jump ball situations without, yeah. <laughs> without being tall. I, I asked him that at, at, when he won the, the MOP award. I'm like, how, how are you so good in jump ball situations? Like, you just got to want it more. Like, well, yeah, but you're five seven, and he crushed people. So it'll be interesting to see what he may have in the tank this past season. Ten games, forty four catches for four seventy four. Anybody who watched him or had him on their fantasy team or yeah. took his over under total knew that that was not the Brandon Banks. So hopefully there is a spot for one of the great receivers. There's uh, there's two quick memories that I want to yeah. pass on to that point about his size and playing the position is there's a touchdown that he scored against the BC Lions in 2015. I was the sideline reporter for the Ticats and on local radio in Hamilton. And it was on the far side of the field. But for some reason, I had this perfect view of it, even though I was at field level where he caught, it might have been a jet or maybe like a quick end around, something like that. And he got to the sideline and he had to cut back. And Solomon, like prime Solomon Elamimian was was running at full speed at him. Okay. And and Banks bounced off him and then ran another 30 yards into the end zone. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember watching it from field level and just going, the hell was that? And then I asked him after the game, he goes, I don't know, man, that was just a survival thing. Like I didn't have anywhere to go. And I just, I had to lower my shoulder and hope that I didn't die. And he didn't. And there's another time where I was following him on Instagram, I think in 2016 or 17, he posted a video of himself when he was at Kansas state in the return game, running through people like, like ducking his head as a return man and running through them. And I asked him about it a couple of days later at practice. And he said, you know what, man, I've always wanted to be a running back, but my body just won't let me do it. 
And like, that was his mentality. And I love that so much that for a guy that, as you say, five, seven, one sixty five soaking wet, he had this mentality that, well, I mean, yeah, that's my body, but that's not, that doesn't define who I am. That doesn't define how my game is going to be played. So mm-hmm. he's fun, man. He's, he's an all time fun athlete to cover in the CFL. So I'll be really interested to see where he lands. Yeah. There, there should be some suitors for him for sure. Uh, usually this just ends up being a salary thing where they weren't going to be able to meet what he wanted or, right. hey, realize that, hey, you know, we actually have some interesting younger receivers here. Let's let's roll with that. He's Marshall Ferguson, Canadian Football Perspective, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. And you wanted to drop some Jeremiah Masoli on us. <laughs> well, it was just on a day where, uh, you know, I've been digging up some stuff on Dane Evans and, and going through some of his numbers and uh, thinking about, Brandon Banks moving on and kind of what the Ticats organization is moving forward here. I'm looking at the big picture and it's like, if you look at the contracts that they are doling out, a lot of them in Hamilton are geared towards, like you just said about the coaching staff in Saskatchewan, it's it's the next year or two, right? It's, it's a great cup run and trying to get this group together in their prime to be able to take down the job. And Jeremiah, after the Dane deal, pretty obviously is not going to be a part of that. So there's a very real turning of the page when you realize that Dane is the quarterback and Jalen Acklin might be the best receiver alongside Stephen Dunbar and Tim White at this point in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And the names that you know in Hamilton, uh, they're not going to be around for a long time. And Jeremiah at this point, like we know, at least we think we know, he's not going to be in Hamilton. So what does that mean? Well, it means that he's looking at potential suitors and where he could possibly go. And at this point, the only reason I think he has not been released in order to sign with somebody is because Hamilton just doesn't feel the need to give an unfair competitive advantage to another team to sign him earlier, get him in the playbook earlier, get him in the facility or all those things. Right. So they're probably just sitting on it and saying, you know what, you're going to be a pending free agent. You know, we're not going to bring you back. You know, the tampering window opens up in about three days here. You can have those conversations then, but we're not going to give you even that little bit, which, by the way, it's hilarious to me that like professional football teams are saying three, three days in the playbook or in the gym could be the difference between us losing a playoff game to you. It's like, okay, whatever. It's like just the human side of it. I'm like, just release the guy, let him go. But I understand that Ottawa, there's a lot of people in the nation's capital that think Paul Apolise and all these, for me, I, I, the more I think about it, DT, the more I believe BC is is where Jeremiah is going to want to sign. Now, is he going to sign there? That's a question for the BC Lions. But you know people that are from the West Coast. Yeah. There's something about that Pacific air and the opportunity to go there. And Jeremiah is a guy who played Juco down in uh, in San Francisco and spent a lot of time in Honolulu and played at Oregon. And like he he is a Pacific dude. And I don't know if it would be family related or otherwise that that might come into play, but I'm looking at this as, and that guy knows the Pacific coast. Like he spent a lot of his life in or around the Pacific coast. And then I look at the actual team itself and I'm thinking turf. Yep. Indoors. Yep. He's got incredibly talented receiver and lucky whitehead. He might have Brian Burnham back in the fold. Yep. And if I'm looking at between Ottawa or BC, if I'm Masoli. I think to myself, in terms of defense, yeah, Ottawa's got a really talented defense that's coming, but I think BC's defense is arrived. Yeah. Like I think they're going to be here very, very quickly, especially in the linebacking core, what you've got going on there. That's going to run their defense. They're going to fill in spots in the defensive backfield with some talented Americans. If they hit like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did in 2021, the BC's defensive backfield could be spectacular. And then up front, last year, I remember 
them saying that they were investing in youth on the defensive line, not for the purposes of 2021, but for the purposes of 2022 and beyond. Mm -hmm. They wanted to get those guys game reps so they could give them experience and give them a chance to be great down the line. It's it's super attractive to me if I'm Jeremiah Masoli to go back west to be part of all of that and to be able to try and challenge for a starting job. I know that Nathan Rourke is there. I know that he's the top guy, and I get that. I'm just saying, if I'm Jeremiah, I, I know him a little bit. I think that sounds like the better deal to me. Well, and that's that's the quarterback that BC could add. That would be the most similar to the skill set of Nathan Rourke when I think of <laughs> the free agents that are out there. Jeremiah Masoli, they're not the same, but they're the most. They're way more similar than if you want to add a a Trevor Harris into the mix. Uh, Clayton Croker, we got time for you to jump in with uh, Marshall Ferguson here. Well, I just want to talk about Nick Arbuckle and how you would deal with the situation in Edmonton, especially if you think Masoli would go to BC. Would you bring in a veteran guy if you're Edmonton to battle with Arbuckle, or would you just say day one, this is our guy, and just kind of make sure his confidence is there right from the start of training camp? I'm a little scared, Clayton, for Nick. I am. Uh, and it's because I, I don't want to see Nick play on his 42nd CFL team in the last five seasons. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that would be upsetting to me because I, I want to see what he is. I'd like to get an opportunity. So I'm a little bit hesitant because Chris Jones doesn't give a damn how Nick Arbuckle feels. Chris Jones gives a damn about winning football games and having good quarterback play. And that says to me that if Nick Arbuckle is there, he might need to start wrapping his mind around the idea of playing with, uh, you know, two quarterback system, or if he's going to have a veteran guy as a security blanket, like Trevor Harrison, maybe Trevor Harris uh, starts the year out really well. And Arbuckle's just not playing. And he has to wrap his mind around that after he was traded. For so for me, I think that Chris Jones is as cutthroat as anybody in the CFL when it comes to trying to find solutions and winning because he knows that's how this business and that's how this game is played. Um, the other thing that actually just because you're talking about Ar Arbuckle stuff that was kind of concerning for me, I went and looked up the completion percentages for Nick Arbuckle from 2021, just this past season, he, you know, he was getting acclimated to Toronto and the, the craziness of leaving Ottawa and all the rest, but he was below the CFL average for completion percentage on every single heat zone that I look at outside of the numbers on both sides. So down the middle of the field, there was a couple of spots here and there where he was above league average completion percentage, but in Toronto, it was 17 points below 12 points below 38 points below 27 points below I, like on and on and on. I can tell you. So for me, it's like Nick's got to correct that and find a way to be able to get the ball outside the numbers and complete passes or Chris Jones is going to find somebody else to be the starting quarterback for the Elks on opening day. Hmm, interesting. I, I I don't know if a Harris-Edmonton reunion would be the best. I don't know if that's – like, wouldn't that be kind of weird going back, even though the whole – Super weird. You know, executive – they're all different and stuff now. Like, there's some new people in there. But wouldn't that just be weird if Trevor Harris goes back to Edmonton a year after they just say, see you later? Incredibly weird. Yeah, I'm with you. It's It would be the most awkward – like, you can come up with whatever dating analogy you want on that one, but it's like – you're married, you get divorced, you go down the road for six months to a year, and then all of a sudden you're dating your ex-wife. Like, oh, what? And you move back in and everything's just kind of like on shaky ground. And you're like, yeah, 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 but I changed the, some of the things that are on the kitchen table. Like, everything's different here. We rearranged and we did some renovations and uh, everything's good. It Totally. It'd be the strangest thing. But again, I don't think Chris Jones cares what's strange. I don't think Chris Jones cares what looks weird. Like, optic for him to be talking to Deron Carter about primarily playing defensive back. The first time I read that, I was like, who cares? Like, 
find a DeAndre Alford. Yeah. Find it. Find a Dietrich Nichols. Like find an actual player that is going to. I don't give a damn about Deron Carter. And to be fair to a Darius Bowman and Manny Arsenal, like I didn't expect any of that, and I didn't really care if they were going to be in camp or not because I'm not expecting huge things from them. But Chris Jones doesn't care what we think. He just plays by his own rules. So it would be incredibly strange, but I am absolutely not counting it out, especially if Masoli ends up going to BC or Ottawa. You start spinning the table and it's like, does Chris Jones, he hated probably going up against Chris Strevler. Would he reach out to Strevler and try and create something like that to go alongside Nick Arbuckle? I, I don't know. It's We're going to have some strange conversations around Edmonton for as long as Chris Jones is there. Chris Jones don't care, DT. I don't care. <laughs> Chris Jones. He doesn't care about anything. I, I don't give a hoot. I don't give a hoot, man. I don't go. care. Follow Marshall on Twitter at TSN underscore Marsh at CF Perspective as well. You can see his great content there. Read his upcoming piece at CFL.ca. And he's with us every Thursday inside the cage. Thank you, brother. Thanks, guys. Be well. Talk soon. Marshall Ferguson on the Western Pizza Hotline. Now, this segment of the show for Nick's service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Arash Madani at 505. Glenn Suter at 530. Ton of CFL to talk about on the cage. Four fifty-two inside the sports cage. Here's your sports ticker. The Riders announced their 2022 football operations and coaching staff on Thursday. Offensive coordinator Jason Moss, defensive coordinator Jason Shivers, and assistant general manager Paul Jones have uh, signed extensions with the club through the 2023 season. And after seven years with the Riders, Coach Kent Majeri has been promoted to a special teams coordinator. For the full list, you can hit the 620CKRM.com. Canada takes on Honduras in World Cup qualifying Thursday night. Canada will be without Alfonso Davies, who is sidelined for the foreseeable future. Canada is currently at the top of the table with 16 points. Honduras comes into the match sitting in dead last, Red Black style, with three points. The match kicks off at 7.05 Saskatchewan time. And the Arizona Coyotes, they're working on a multi-year deal to play next season. At Arizona State University, at their yet-to-be-completed yet 5,000-seat arena, the, the team is looking for a new home as uh, its deal with Glendale is uh, set to expire. So an NHL team going to be playing in an uh, arena smaller than the Brant Center. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Is that real life, DT? 5,000 seats, NHL, like... Just move the team to Quebec City or something, man. Like, it's, I just can't with that news. I, I just, I couldn't <laughs> believe it for a second day in a row. I, is this a joke? Like, is this, is this they're going to move to, they're going to move to ASU's brand new, soon to be built building and play hockey out there. Oh, by the way, they're going to have to put in $20 million of their own money to build out a real NHL type facility. Just move the team. 5,000 seat arena will be their home for three to four years while they build an unagreed to building in Tempe. They av they're averaging, what was the number? 11,575 this year. That's their average attendance. No, paid, that's terrible. Paid attendance is probably like 20, 200 people in the stands. Well, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the thing. But. You are willingly for three to four years going to cut your attendance more than in half. At the at the best, it's more than in half. <laughs> that, 
Why, Clayton, why is there a team in Arizona? Why does Gary Bettman insist that there be a team in Arizona? Imagine the crowd at Arizona State, though. Like, sure, it's only 5,000, but those rowdy, drunk college students, that would be a loud 5,000. That would be, I'd rather, it would be more fun to watch the crowd than the actual game. Because, like, the, the rink's in the middle of campus. It would be the hottest ticket on campus. If you're on the Arizona State campus, let's go around the room, and there's a Coyotes game, and there's an Arizona State men's and women's, you know, doubleheader in, in volleyball, which one are you going to, Zinger? Uh, depends who's playing. Who depends who the Coyotes are playing? Probably. Coyotes are playing not your favorite team. Uh, They're I, playing the Kings. Can I stay home and play PlayStation? <laughs> Zinger, stay at home. Whoa. Clayton, volleyball doubleheader or Coyotes Kings? I'm taking Yotes Kings for sure. Ah, I'm going to the volleyball doubleheader at Arizona <laughs> State. Come on. If it's basketball, by I'm going to the basketball game oh, by far. That's that's not even close. They, they may shave points. Close. Who knows? Arizona State shaves points yeah. sometimes. So I I don't get it. I, I don't know that anyone truly understands it. The Arizona ownership group had troubles paying its bills to the Gila River <laughs> Arena. Oh, look, we finally found 1.2 million. Oh, it was just, trust me, it was a clerical thing. It's not that they, we were desperately scrounging for someone who would lend us seven figures. No, no. It was just a clerical thing. You're making too much of this. You're going to play in a 5,000-seat arena for three to four years, and the building that you would intend to move to on the other side of it, not been built, not yet been agreed to, nothing. <laughs> Hockey in Arizona, Clayton, nothing. That's the, that's the sales line. That's the tagline. Hockey in Arizona, nothing. We didn't get Austin well Matthews. We're screwed. May as well play in Yorkton. Go to the Gallagher Center and play there. Is it still called the Gallagher Center? Like home of the Terriers? Like go play in an SJ barn. That's basically the equivalent of this. Five thousand. The when the Jets wanted to move, they were going to they were going to go to the Sastel Center there in Saskatoon. They weren't coming to the Brandt Center, right? They want the they want the bigger facility. They want the potential to sell some tickets. Can you imagine a and. Arizona would have to get to the Stanley Cup Finals in this, but games three, four, and five of the 2024 Stanley Cup Finals are in a 5,000-seat arena. Come on. Come on. It's yeah. just a joke, too. Like, it just makes it look bad. Like, the optics of this, oh. that it's even an option. Like, this is the best hockey league in the world. And and this is even an option that they're considering, like, and especially because it's the Coyotes. Like, this yeah. is a team that has had 17 second chances. So I'm over it. Like, I'm o I'm over pretending that this is like a, it's gonna work, right? It hasn't worked. You tried you tried to bring back the cool jerseys, and even that didn't work. <laughs> and if those awesome jerseys don't save your franchise, nothing will. <laughs> nothing will. Affinity Place in Estevan, uh, fairly new arena, just under 3,000 people. There, there you go. It's a great barn. A great, great barn, barn, by the way. I used to work Hippo in Estevan after work. I'd run the lap every time. they got a track there. That's a good barn. Put a hockey team there. Yep. This, this is how crazy and how much I can't get my head around this. When I was working in Winnipeg, they'd built the new arena, but there was no semblance the Jets were coming back. And I made a bet with a, with a co-worker. I said, Fit whatever it was. I gave him like a 15-year time frame. There's no chance the Jets are coming back. So seven years later, they come back. I, I have to pay him off. I have to pay him off. When they built that place, 15,000 seats. Ooh, that's not big enough for an NHL team. They've been making it work. 
with the, I don't know, 28th best attendance in whatever that number is. Mm-hmm. Arizona is willingly going to go to a building one-third the size of a I-can't-believe-they-can-make-it-work-on-this-few-seats building. How's that <sighs> even? Like, that shouldn't move, be allowed. Move, move the, the team. team. Move the team. Just Quebec Nordique. Quebec Nordique. 458 News is next. Estevan Nordique. Estevan Nordique. (laughs) And bring the purple jerseys with the coyote on them. Figure out how to get that going in there. Arash Madani, Glenn Suter in the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Seven on a Thursday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sportsnet's Rash Madani drops by in a minute. You missed any of today's show? Get the Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brew House Winter. Wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. Derek Taylor, Clayton Croker, Sean Kleisinger uh, alongside. One of the topics we were going to discuss with Arash Madani is the retirement, Clayton, of Big Ben Roethlisberger. 18 seasons with the Steelers. Decided he was hanging it up, honestly, at the beginning of the season. Made it official today. The leader in Steelers history in just about every single passing category. Couple of Super Bowls. That guy is going to be a revered Pittsburgh sports icon. I still remember when Steeler fans were torn between him or Tommy Maddox. And a bunch of Steeler fans were like, man, Tommy Maddox is the guy. I'm telling you, Tommy Maddox. And like... Sweet name, like Tommy Maddox. That's that just sounds like a franchise quarterback right there. But no, Big Ben. That retirement video too. Did you see the retirement video? Him cleaning out the locker and going back in the highlights. It was it was really well done. Yeah, I I did not. I'm just pulling up Tommy Maddox, uh, man, because he ended up back in the XFL. Oh, Tommy. Uh, he kept this alive until 2005. They would have been teammates with the Steelers. <laughs> oddly enough for uh for a brief spell oh yeah that's that is unfortunate oh you, they would have been teammates which one should have been i was thinking they were the same draft i had my decades caught, caught no no apart. no yeah it yeah, was yeah, uh, tommy you. maddox versus big ben and everyone was like no we don't like this rookie and uh yeah two super bowls later here we are now i'm caught up you had maddox drafted in the uh in the 1990s roethlisberger is going to be I read one uh, on his retirement, and it mentioned, oh, look at this stuff he's done. Look at this stuff. He was great. Super Bowls. Man, he was a leader. He was a warrior, blah, blah, blah. It's tough for me to separate Roethlisberger from the things that Roethlisberger did when he was a little younger in his career. I, I remember the motorcycle accident, and you know, because he was ultimately okay, he broke his face a little bit, but he, he didn't miss any games. You know, you could have some fun with, ah, you should probably wear a helmet, son. But when you're settling out of court to get rid of sexual assault charges and just the absolute debacle of the one in 2010 where police, yeah, you know what, we're not really going to investigate. And can I get a selfie with you, Ben? And we're never going to talk to you. And uh, it's he leaves an uncomfortable legacy of incredible athlete. You can be he can be forgiven for trying to stick it out a couple more years longer than he should have. That's that's entirely human, but incredible athlete and he may have been a total dirtbag. Oh yeah, pretty big dirtbag. And the thing that sucks about it is yeah, again, like the 
the assault stuff is is one thing, and that's a bad thing, and then just getting away with it because he's Ben Roethlisberger and he's the quarterback. I hate that stuff. I hate when the athletes get the special treatment. Like, look, I love football, but I, I also played tuba in the high school band, okay? I'm a huge nerd. And, and seeing the athletes and the jocks get uh, get special breaks just because they do that I, I, rubs me the wrong way. It's it, it just makes everything uncomfortable because uh, in, in the playoff game, right? You, did you watch the playoff game, Zing? Yep. It was just fawning and fawning. And I get it. I get it that the NFL during an NFL game isn't going to address all the darkest parts of a person's history. But some sort of coverage of uh, you almost can't do it during the game because the game is to sell the game and to sell the Warriors and the spirit. But you're running out guys wearing pink tape every October Right for breast cancer, we we care about this stuff. We absolutely care. But well, maybe address that there were some uncomfortable parts, and and even I'm underselling to say uncomfortable parts of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Yeah, I I noticed that too when I was watching the playoff game, and really the only thing I think about when I think of Ben Roethlisberger, I, I think about him losing to the Packers in the Super Bowl. And and uh, weird that that would come to your mind. Yeah, February sixth, twenty eleven. That's the only thing that matters. That's Ben Roethlisberger's legacy for me. Nice pick six to Nick Collins. Yes, sir. Sixty four thousand career passing yards, two Super Bowls, and I'll, honestly, when it comes thanks defense. <laughs> yeah, when it comes down to Hall of Fame time, I'll be super curious, Clayton, to see how this goes. Because you watched him and he went only won two Super Bowls with the Steelers and sixty plus thousand yards, he was never an All Pro quarterback. He was never one of the top two quarterbacks by All Pro standards in the NFL. And I think I feel like he's he's almost guaranteed to get in. But there's going to be some interesting discussion come that time. Nah, he's a Hall of Famer. Like let's not let's not get out of hand here. He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, the Super Bowls, one thing. Also, he had some pretty good seasons. I mean, I know he's not an yep. all pro like ever, but I mean pretty dang close. He was a consistent top ten, if not top five quarterback for some years in the NFL, in a market where it's NFL crazy, right? Like he's the he spotlight's always on him being the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Wow. And he did it for a long, long time. That's and yeah, every the market, last though. Yeah, I know. Last two That's seasons. A, that was at Holy Cross yeah. for you. You were in the you were in the spotlight at Holy Cross. Oh yeah, Darren Zary just grilling me, <laughs> grilling me in the paper. Oh, Star man. Phoenix for the win! Boom. Love you knew it. you knew it was you knew it was a big deal when Rob Vanstone when he was going to interview you because it was the provincial final never happened to me choked in the city final too much but uh, no but I don't know it's uh, he's Hall of Fame obviously he was just yeah I'm kind of glad that Twitter's ripping on him a bit there there are a couple Big Ben memes floating around Twitter today that are kind of that are kind of nice to see Ben Roethlisberger had a 22 quarterback rating when he won the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl game itself, Super Bowl 40 against the the Seahawks. 22 quarterback rating, and he still won the game. That was the worst quarterback performance I think I've ever seen. Take nothing away from him. He still won the Super Bowl, but, man, you could literally plug in any quarterback on that team, and they're probably winning the Super Bowl. And it's kind of – it's similar, but in that case, the inverse of Eli Manning, who – for his whole career was a pretty marginal quarterback, but those two playoff runs just lit it on fire. Just phenomenal. But does that overcome the mediocrity that was, if you're Eli Manning, the rest of your career? Ben Roethlisberger, 18 seasons should absolutely be lauded. 
Uh, multiple, like I think he had multiple 5,000-yard passing seasons, if not, but many, many over 4,000. The Steelers' all-time leader in this and that. But Ben Roethlisberger in the NFL, to a, to a greater extent, Kevin Glenn in the CFL. Longevity to, doesn't always equal Hall of Fame status. Was there ever a point, Clayton, where he said, that Ben Roethlisberger, best quarterback in the game? No. Yeah. No, I never, agree. never, ever. Top five. No. I could give you top five multiple years, probably. Oh, yeah. Probably a good, like, five, if not six or seven years where he was a top five. Like, after his first couple of seasons, he was really, like, when he was still mobile and big, he was mm. dangerous outside the pocket. And, like, especially in the red zone, he was a real dangerous quarterback. Just those quarterback sneaks, good luck good luck stopping him on the one or two yard line. He was just too big and mobile. But later on, he got a little off, but he still got the job done. Like, he just really got the job done for the Steelers. He really did. I was thinking about uh, Roethlisberger when I was watching Josh Allen go, and I, and I looked at it, and I'm like, uh, I just wanted to pull up exactly uh, Josh Allen's measurables because I feel like they are actually pretty close to the same size. Josh Allen, 6'5", 237 pounds. And I thought, yeah, Josh Allen is like Ben Roethlisberger fast-forwarded by 20 years. 20 more years of athleticism, 20 more years of, of game-changing you know, sport changing, you know, uh, kinesiology and study. Ben was, I mean, Ben was never the runner, but Ben, for a guy who was the size of a mountain. 6'5", 240, it says here for Big Ben. Yeah, so. Modern day Big Ben, at least. Listed the same size as Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ben, I mean, ben was never the runner, but it was, it was that sort of unusual mobility. And to come from a, from a school from nowhere. Mm-hmm. like I, Miami, Ohio. It was Milt Stiegel's school. Sure, that's great. But, I mean. <laughs> I saw them play live once. Did you Just really? throwing out there. Yep. You, saw, you saw the Red Hawks play live? Yeah, against Why? the Cincinnati, Bearhawk, uh, Cincinnati uh, Bearcats. Wow. Yeah, I was in Cincinnati to watch the Packers. How drunk do you have to be to watch that game? Yeah, I, w- I was. I was up, I was up there. <laughs> so, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. Clayton, ultimately, I think you're right that he's going to the Hall of Fame just because there are enough great stories and enough great numbers to back up his case. It's it, To me, it's not. he's not a shoe-in. He's not I mean, who's a current guy waiting to get in who is absolutely going to walk into the – uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Timmy Brady obviously is going to get Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Famer, with his one Super Bowl, one four league MVPs. It's going to be like that's one, pretty hot. Well, and uh, Drew Brees has one Super Bowl. True. Yeah. Everyone was rinsing Peyton when he only had one Super Bowl, but no one's giving Aaron Rodgers the gears that he only has one Super Bowl. Dan Fouts does not have a Super Bowl, and I think he's in the I'm hall. Not, who, who, who's talking about Dan Fouts <laughs> here? Fouts. Dan, Dan Fouts, Fouts. Dan Fouts has a Dan glorious Fouts beard. Field over here. <laughs> Clayton, he's ripping a guy with a glorious beard. You can't do that. Why did I bring up him? Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's bring up Otto Graham while we're at oh. it here. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about how Len Dawson is overrated like come on <laughs> hey, he won super bowl four with the chiefs don't even get me started on some of those guys that's uh, the thing though like peyton had one everyone was like oh yeah not as good as eli's only got one no one really says that about aaron Rodgers. like everyone's like yeah he's got one whatever aaron Rodgers might be the most talented player to 
pre-Mahomes, this pre this current generation, he might be the most talented player to ever play the quarterback position, though. That's true. That may be where where it comes comes to it with Aaron Rodgers. Of and it, here's the thing for me. Dan Marino didn't win a Super Bowl either, but if you use that as a reason to keep him out of anything, yeah, no. Marino was unbelievable. Jim Kelly took his team to four in a row. Like he could have easily won a couple of those if what's his name Scott Norwood would missed. hit a field goal. Yeah, and it's it's the problem of football, right? Yeah. QB wins are not a thing. Quarterback win. I didn't even get to rant about this on the show. Yeah, was- Zinger. <laughs> Quarterback wins are not a thing. How do I know this is the case? Josh Allen got a quarterback loss for that game on Sunday. Yeah. Quarterback wins are not a thing, Clayton. Yes and no. I don't, don't. know. Like, Josh Allen right. got a you're loss right. for that no. game. He played so good. You're Chiefs fans are, right. are, are uh, giving money to his charity, I read. He played so good. Like Chiefs fans are like, oh, man, I love this guy. That's a very good point that, like, you know what, Josh Allen, he got a loss for that, which is unfortunate. He didn't deserve the loss. You know what? Life's not fair, okay? Life's not (laughs) fair. And you're going to look back on that, and you're like, okay, whatever. The exception of the rule, we knew he had a little asterisk loss there, whatever you want. Still loss, right? Still lost the football game. Sorry. Zach Caleros got a quarterback win for the West Final. Just saying. Three interceptions, six turnovers. Come on. Come on. What happened to a win's a win? What happened to that mentality? Win's a win. But Greasy it's not a quarterback win. Count. How about do you, uh, coaching wins? Are they legit? Are coaching wins legit? They're the they're the lead dog. So. They're the yes. one lead. They're the ones leading the team, right? So like, yes. there's no uh, that has to be legit. But they're what not... about coordinator wins? Coordinator wins. Do I like count. Quality control wins. I think oh, should be yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> assistant head coach assistant is uh, those wins are uh, water boy wins. Big. I'll stop yeah. there. It... Oh man, <laughs> coach wins are a thing. Are they predictive of what'll happen the next game? Not in a lot of cases because there are a lot of bad wins and a lot of backdoor wins in football. Uh, we'll hopefully hook up with a rash with Danny a little later in the show. It's 5-20. Glenn Suter, bottom of the clock in the cage. Afternoon rush. It's 5-22. Tiger Cats announced Thursday the football club and receiver Brandon Banks have mutually agreed to part ways. Banks played in... 111 games over eight seasons with the Tabbies, winning the league MOP in 2019, the most outstanding special teams player in 2015, and he was also a four-time CFL All-Star. We talked about it. No more comebacks for Big Ben Roethlisberger. The two-time Super Bowl champion announced his retirement on Thursday. Roethlisberger spent 18 seasons as the Steelers quarterback. He won Super Bowl 40 with them, and then Super Bowl 43 it was. The Denver Broncos, they're finalizing a deal to make Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett the team's new head coach, first reported by Tom Pelissero of uh, the NFL Network. So now we wait and see if Aaron Rodgers is going to request a trade there. He loves Nathaniel Hackett, so just add to the storylines here in the offseason. The 2021 Saskatchewan Sport Awards Gala will be celebrated virtually tonight. The Saskatchewan Sport Awards celebrate the outstanding achievements of individuals in the province's amateur sport community. It's going to be hosted by DT himself, and the fun starts at 7 p.m. You can catch it on YouTube Premiere, DT. Zinger dropping bombs during the break. 
the the average quarterback, <laughs> the most average quarterback in your lifetime is, you were saying? I've been saying this to my friends and family for years. Troy Aikman is the most average quarterback to be in. Uh, this is my hot take of all time. Troy Aikman and uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Doug Hulsey. T- uh, t- uh, Terrell Davis, running back for for the Broncos. Yeah. But more so, more so Troy Aikman because this dude, like, he has 165 touchdowns, 141 picks. The dude doesn't even have 40. He has just over 30,000 passing yards. I know it's a different era. I know all that. But he was never league MVP. Uh, oh, uh, he was Super Bowl MVP, but whatever. That's one. He was never all pro. Like, what's this guy got? He had a good offensive line. He had Emmett Smith. He had a good defense. He had Deion Sanders. He had Incredible this. Incredible receivers. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's like, what's this guy got? He, like, who is it? Like, why this? And you listen to him talk. You When you listen to him talk, you think he's the greatest ever. This dude is average, man. Look at his statistics. People say, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's rolling. Troy Aikman three times made the all-pro team. He was first team in 93. 94, 95, he was second team all pro. Ben Roethlisberger never made an all pro team. So Aikman does have all pros? He has he has three of them. All right. Three, he four, must five. have had what, like twenty touchdowns and twenty picks one year? And got <laughs> like that's that's it's the so, arrow it was. <laughs> it's incredible looking back at, at different eras in the uh, in the National Football League. He went fifteen and six in his all pro season of nineteen ninety three, fifteen touchdowns, six interceptions. <laughs> Like in 14 games. Oh, Clayton, we are not in the 90s of football anymore. Wins a win. Got the greasy wins. I I know. I I feel the same way about Troy Aikman, but I mean, he he still wins, right? He touched the ball every single play. I don't understand. Like you're you're a former quarterback zinger. I thought you'd be giving him some love. Ah, you know, like and for Terrell Davis, Terrell Davis, I'm I'm kind of like in the same boat for him. He only played like seven seasons, but for him, like he. Rushed over 2,000 yards. He won a couple Super Bowls. And You're he, just mad about the Super Bowls against the Packers. Hey, that um, Terrell still, Davis takes bad. He was awesome, man. But, like, but like the the amount of rushing yards he had. Like, the thing is with him, he played a short amount of time. He but played like, four seasons, really. Yeah. Because he played four, five, and eight games in his final three seasons. Yeah, and, like. In migraines. When, yep. I, when I think of, like, Hall of Fame, I think of, like, longevity. And you have to do it at a high level for a number of of years not just like be really good at it for like two seasons and like, oh yeah hall of famer best of all time like come on I'm man saying that i think he's uh, a great football player for those four years man he was unstoppable yeah so yeah. was mike anderson though yeah because so how was that ron not the dane point? was good for one year how was I mean, that you can't not the be point? making these comparisons right now ron these are dane. ridiculous <laughs> How was First Dan Fouts and then Ron Dane. What is going oh, on? Wasn't he like the fourth overall pick out of Wisconsin one year by the Giants? Yeah, he's a former Ron. Badger. That's all he's got. How, this is the thing with Terrell Davis and that era of the Broncos. How did? How was that not the point where everybody realized, you know what? It doesn't really matter who we have at running back because Mike Anderson goes in there. Mike Anderson becomes a running back. Clinton Portis. And absolutely rips it up. Clinton Portis has a 1,500-yard season and then isn't heard from much after that. Uh, Portis, okay, 1,591 because they can block everybody in sight. Ruben Drones, 1,240 yards the year after that. 
did anyone ever occur to them? Mike Anderson, 1,000-yard season in 05. Tatum Bell, 1,000-yard season in 06. At what Former point, rider. There he you played go. for the Riders, I think, for a season. Uh, Selvin Young and Travis Henry both in 2007. Uh, how were the Broncos not the indicator that, you know what actually matters a ton? The offensive line and the scheme. Mm. And then we can just throw whoever in the backfield. That's my beef with Terrell Davis. Uh, not as bad as Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman, he's, he's trash. <laughs> trash Hall of Famer. <laughs> Zinger's hot take. Who's your top trash Hall of Famer? Hit me up on the text line at 306-936-6262. Zinger's got us started on trash Hall of Famers. Who... Who does it irk you that they got in the Hall of Fame? Like, his gold and, jacket is stained. Like, there's coffee stains. They gave him a coffee-stained gold jacket when Aikman got in the yeah. Hall with, like, sauce on it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can come in, but, you know, it's, it, we'll put you in the corner so nobody can see your bust. But Yeah, and limit it, limit it to folks that, that were in your lifetime. I don't want to go too far back into uh, terrible baseball players from the 1910s, but a trash Hall of Famer. The text line is wide open. Uh, it's the uh, Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. 529, Glenn Suter, fine tailored suits next in the cage. Thirty-one time for fine tailored suits brought to you by quality tire 10 locations across saskatchewan quality tire.ca suits we got to carry it over because zinger brought it up give me for you the garbage hall of famer whatever sport oh. you can't believe i can't believe the hall of fame includes that guy because for zinger it's cowboys legend troy aikman yeah, I heard that. And I, you know, I, I will say that Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, I think are a great combo for uh color play by play of the NFL. I, you know, I, I, I like what Troy does. I know there's bias there. And I think that's where Zinger comes in a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> when, a little bit. when Dallas, yeah. When Dallas plays the Packers, I, that's probably where there's a little bit of an issue there, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have any names off the top of my head, but I will say that if you've made it to the Hall of Fame, you've done some good things. Um, sometimes you we can argue and debate the criteria to get into different Hall of Fames, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame down in Canton, Ohio, um, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, all of it. I Sometimes there's an eye test yeah, you know, some which which I think is really uh, you know arbitrary. Sometimes there's you know obviously stats come into it, longevity comes into it, championships come into it. Um, you know what were you like off the field comes into it, especially in baseball. Um, so you know I I don't know I I think if you got there, you've done something right. <laughs> you've done you, something good. You've you've done all right. Uh... I don't want to do this any more than just yes or no's as we go around the room. Uh, Clayton, okay. be ready. Zinger, be ready. Clayton, to you first. Kevin Glenn, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, yes or no? I think so, just because he played for every team, technically. I think that's Hall of Fame worthy. Suits, Kevin Glenn, Hall of Famer, yes or no? That's, that's a tough one, but I'd say yes. I think the numbers are there, right, overall in his, in his career. Where would, where would he rank all time? Oh, and I don't Pat, have that in front of me. Probably uh, top six. I'd have yeah. to ch I'd have to check for sure. Behind I, I Burris, think, Calvillo, 
Wonder if McManus is higher. Yeah. Statistically, statistically, if you're in the top 10 to 15 in your position or category, yeah. that, that, that puts you in the conversation. Zinger, Kevin Glenn, Hall of Fame, yes or no? I'm going to, I'm going to say no, because I I've never seen him as like a top three quarterback in the league. I think he's, he played at like a pretty average level for a long period of time. So obviously he's going to have the statistics because he's just keep on playing. I mean, he played for like a thousand teams. So (laughs) I'm going to say no. Zinger says no. Yep. I'm with you. No, uh, no, there wasn't a point where I thought, well, was he was elite. He was elite, guys, in the year and when he was with the Bombers and broke his wrist in the in the final. Oh, seven. Yeah, he. Yeah, yeah, one year though. For for me, it's one year in his career. I would I would give left left the entire left side of my body to have had his career. But was he ever the apart from one year the elite of the elite? It'll be a real interesting conversation when it comes his time. Uh, for me, uh, no. Just wanted to throw that out there. Just take the temperature and set up a future. He deserves it more than Aikman, though, I'll tell you that. Oh, he (laughs) – I love it. I love it. The drive-by. All right, the big riders news is they announced their coaching staff for 2022. It includes contract extensions for Jason Shivers and Jason Moss. They're now under contract till 2023. That makes their contracts, brings them in line with Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day and uh, Suits. Based on 2021, I I don't have any reason why this wouldn't be the case. Both these guys, in my mind, deserve to be back for year number two and have a little security with them. Yeah, outstanding for three reasons, in in my opinion. First is the timing of it. Uh, well, no, you know, maybe first and most importantly is the quality of of coordinators you're getting in in both Jasons. Uh, you know, I think the the experience of Moss over 20 years in the league championships i think three times he's been involved with championship teams and shivers being a guy who's been with as a coordinator now this will be year three with the group that they have so the quality and uh, sort of experience of these two is the most important second is the timing of it to lock them up to make sure there's no you know last minute departures and you're looking for a new coordinator after free agency before free agency getting them locked up huge mm-hmm. and then and then the third one is continuity and i think you touched on that dt is the continuity of having from year you know from last year the last time they played together the core players that are still there to be working in the same system means if they have an 80 play 80 page playbook they start in training camp day one on page 40. yeah other teams with new coordinators start on page one and these guys can get that jump again with the great cup in their backyard. Well, and, and I like it from this pers- perspective as well. They're now both under contract for 22 and for 23, neither one of them. And I don't know how much it would weigh on them that, Hey, my contract's up at the end of the year. I don't know if either of them would be affected at all by that, but it takes the possibility out. It says, you know what? We value you. So you're going to be with us for two years you feel free to be yourself in 2022. That's a nice, that's a nice touch because it's been a focus uh, of the riders for last season. They were under contract for the next two years for this season. They'll do the same thing. I like that a lot. No, no question. And and again, it, you go back and that all those three guys, including the head coach and Craig will be sitting, looking at the free agent list and making those phone calls and deciding what will be their hit list. What will be their rankings of these players 
when free agency opens very shortly and can look at that at not just this year, but this year and next year and how they can build and age comes into that. Um, playmakers for this year, for sure, to get them there. But, um, you know, the longer term is part of that equation as well. Duke Williams news we will talk about on this day. We should get to the, the big CFL news is the Ticats and Brandon Banks going their separate ways. This is exactly the type of player I think in a Grey Cup hosting year the Riders need to be pursuing. He doesn't. He may not have three years left, but he might just have one year left. I don't know if the Riders will pursue Brandon Banks. I'm not 100% sure they should, but this is the kind of player in my mind you need to be looking at very intently uh, when you're hosting a Grey Cup year. Do you think there's any room for Mr. Banks? in Saskatchewan yeah again you know I I think you you have to you have to look at all of these possibilities whether it's Burnham or Lawler or Banks playmakers nearing the end of their career I think back to the 13 season after 2012 when G. Roy Simon was a BC Lion nearing the end of his career Wally Buono was the GM then Mike Benavides was the head coach in 2012 but Wally was still pulling the strings when it came to personnel and they decided to let G Roy go earlier than his expiration date by a couple of years. He still had lots of gas in the tank. He still had that juice, but you know, they were going in another direction, going younger G Roy, his ad to that team in Saskatchewan was huge yeah. in that great cup run. Oh, yeah. Absolutely important. I mean, this is why Chris Jones, has gone out and gone to Darius Bowman and Manny Arsenal. He's got those guys coming to camp for the veteran factor. And they have some veterans, but the veterans that he knows, the guys that he knows, the character that they will bring. Darius Bowman and Chris Jones work together in their championship year. He knows what Manny Arsenal is. So he brings those guys and that presence into the locker room. Now, first of all, it starts with the receiving group, but then it'll trickle to the entire team the, the leadership and that veteran factor. That's what G-Roy did from 12 to 13 mm -hmm. for the riders. And, you know, that's what Brandon Banks, as a playmaker, could bring to the next team he goes to. You know, it was interesting to hear both the coach and Banks um, so cordially talk about parting of ways here. Um, you know, I, I don't know why exactly. I, my guess is the, the dollar value didn't hit. Yeah. But, you know, where would you put Brandon Banks in your starting five receiving core right now based on his age? And, you know, he's he's been banged up the last couple of, of years playing. Yeah. Is he a number two or three? Or is uh, he's not a number one anymore. He has the playmaking ability of a number one. But yeah. is he overall a two or a three? Or does he fall to four? Well, he wasn't. He was very clearly not in in condition to be in condition, meaning injuries to to be a number one in 2021. He was the number one in 2019. So, is is 2021 just the beginning? Was it the first step on the complete downhill that he's about to take, or was it an aberration because he just he was banged up? And that's that's the thing that I guess that the price Hamilton wasn't willing to contemplate. But if you're a team that can afford some risks you go oh you know he's he's been uh, he can be the wide receiver here he can be the slot on this side 
Brandon Banks with the waggle is still a real weapon. Like G-Roy in 13 didn't didn't have it for every game, right? But man, when it counted, he had it for the Grey Cup. And then, oh, by the way, there's all the stuff that, that you will always tell us about and the stuff that guys do behind the scenes and in the locker room that adds that. Uh, anybody who's been in the league at the same time as Brandon Banks and remembers 2019 goes, okay, he's fast, but he's tiny, and he was 1,500 yards and MOP and winning jump balls and just generally crushing dudes in, in multiple ways that you're in. I can't – that's got to be – that's got to be a nice plus for somebody. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think there'll be a lot of teams that are looking into this and, and probably the riders would too. I mean, I, I would look into it and, and have the yeah. conversation with them when free agency, when they're allowed to do this, but, and I hate to bring this up because, you know, guys leaving from his team, he's a fan favorite in Hamilton. Again, just unbelievable playmaker. Um, but he is a player that, well, I, I, let me put it this way. He has evolved over his career to become much more mature with age and, you know, understand that whole team concept more as his career has gone on. So, so whatever team picks him up now are picking up a veteran player that's evolved in that regard, but he has had his moments where you see his demeanor on the sideline and you see him sort of shut it down and kind of walk away and get and get you know sort of I don't know the best way to put this but on the sideline just losing his concentration and his you know his the importance of having him out I, I think right. back to that that penalty in the Grey Cup in BC and the penalty on the big return he had you know the the Cats got the ball back but he was so distraught he was sitting on the bench their fastest player on offense yeah. wasn't on the field for the last, you know, 45, 50 seconds. Now they probably still don't make the miraculous comeback, but you know, he's evolved a lot from there. So yeah. I, I think uh, any team that looks at him will, will get a, a playmaker that can give you seven, 800 yards. Yeah. I mean, if he, if he could somehow offer you more, you would take that and feel like it's a luxury. There's just, there's only so much money that you can pay to, uh, to get that when again with a guy who is i believe 34 yeah right 34 for, yep for brandon banks so uh yeah 1550 yards he had almost 3000 yards and 24 touchdowns in a 30 game span between 2018 and 2019 uh absolutely electric at his peak uh duke williams made a little news for us today we talked to glenn <laughs> Suter, and <laughs> We talked about it earlier. Neither Clayton nor Zinger and I can figure out, is it good news? Is it bad news? Uh, or is it just nothing? Duke Williams on Twitter saying, quote, I'll be making my decision where I'm signing next week. Good, bad, or s flat in the middle? Well, so we're in free agency. That's all I got from that. I, I saw the tweet as well, and all I th all I thought immediately was, okay, he's going to free agency. So, so whatever that that's on the table right now, cause you know, the riders have been talking to him. Yeah. What's ever on the table right now, he wants to test the market. So that's, that's really what we're talking about. And, and we'll see what happens and we'll see how willing Saskatchewan will be when other teams lay their, you know, money on the table and, 
And what will Saskatchewan, how far will they be willing to go to retain them? Uh, I don't know. Have we gotten you to give us give us a number? We were taking numbers earlier in the week about what we would each in our GM roles pay. Uh, Zinger was two twenty five, two twenty five. Clayton, you you we walked you up a little bit from your original offer to Duke. What was your max for Duke Williams? My max was around two hundred, but then Lucky Whitehead got paid two hundred five, so I'd have to pay Duke around two fifteen, two twenty. Okay, and I said just back up the money truck and take what you want. <laughs> Up to and including $240,000. Suits, based on what you've seen out there with, uh, well, Lucky Whitehead is, is the peak right now yeah. at two hundred and two oh five according to Farhan Lalji's numbers. Mm-hmm. Where, do, where would GM Suits be willing to go for a single player uh, in this free agent market knowing that, well, whatever your assumptions are about his competition. And I know you're going to sell him on the great facilities and how good he no. looks in green and stuff or whatever you, whatever you would choose as your team color. But where would you, yeah. would you make him the highest paid? Would you be willing to make him the highest paid non quarterback in the CFL? Well, DT, I, I, first of all, I would not take your approach <laughs> back, back where, up the money truck. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, not ahead ideal. Of time that that's what you're doing. Suboptimal, and, but at least yeah. I get Duke. That's my, yeah. That's hand him funny. hand him a blank check and say you put the number in exactly um, uh no you know what i mean again th- this works in the budget i'll tell you what i'll tell you what though is important i think to players that is never talked about in free agency is where they stand within their own teams within their own organization so basically if jeremy o'day walks in and says uh look you'll be the highest paid receiver on our team and you know this is this is within our structure with the other guys and the rest of it. We've got the great cup in our backyard, and you're the highest paid player on the team, a uh, uh, receiver on the team, mm-hmm. and or even maybe pushing the non quarterback level. And I think now we're getting up to the number that you're sort of thinking about. So the actual number, I think, you know, I I'm not sure what that would be that would make it happen for him, but. I think players today, and at least even back in the old days, I mean, when Bill Baker was our GM and he'd walk into the office and say, uh, we got to give you, you, you got to take a pay cut. It wasn't the number that was disturbing. I mean, no one likes to do that. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't the number that was disturbing. It was more the, okay, but where do I fit in, in the secondary? So, you know, yeah. you look at your what you've accomplished to that point in your career and you say, okay, I've been an all-star, let's say, for the last two years, and this is what I have been making, and this is what the rest of the starting DBs are making. Where do I fit in in that picture? And if the GM walks in and says, well, you'll be the highest paid guy, you know, I think then you go, okay, now, now we're talking about if it's 10, 15,000, again, after taxes, what does that really mean in your back pocket? Not a lot. Then all the other factors come into it. So I, you know, I think that's the way as a GM, I would approach it with Duke is would I be willing to make him in Saskatchewan's office, the highest paid receiver and maybe one of the highest paid non quarterbacks on the team. Yeah. I would think about that. I would, I would go there. Yeah. He's, if uh, what was the report on AC Leonard Zinger? Was it like 190? 190. I just if I if I'm Duke and you only get so many so many bites at the apple, and this is the chance for you to take the the absolute biggest bite in your CFL career, probably. I 
I want him to get all the money. I just again, just the truck. You just let me know where the address comes. I'll throw open the doors. The guards will turn their back. You just take whatever you want. We'll write yeah. down two ten, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, but I guess you know I I know what you mean, and I know how much you'd love to. He's going to get it from somebody. Yeah, but but you know I I just as a GM would not want to blow my budget blow our our whole business model plan because of what some other gm has done in other words if you start comparing uh you know a lucky whitehead or let's say another receiver gets even more somewhere down the line and now i'm going to you know ruin my business model and my team's whole structure because of that guy over in another city uh, i just i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna go there i i I know how valuable Duke is, and so do you. But what if Duke didn't get there and decided to go on, and Brandon Banks decides to sign here, or Brian Burnham decides to to uh, sign with Saskatchewan? I shouldn't say here. I'm saying here because we're For sure. on a yeah. Zoom. Yeah, yeah. We're on a Zoom in the same room, but um, in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I I take it from, and we'll hit the break on the other side of this. I take it from. Ah, you know what? I'm starting to think that if I have to pass on a $60,000 player because I want to give that a good portion of that money to the elite of the elite, I'm kind of okay with that. When the quarterbacks were getting pushed to 700 and 725, if it got me one of those guys, I would have been okay with that. And it turns out half the league was was pretty okay with it as well. It's just it's it's a juggle. It's a juggle. You have to then make that work in your room and go, "Oh, well, you paid him that much money? Okay, well, I'll remember that." come next time and that is a struggle that uh, as a loudmouth on a radio i don't ever have to deal with repercussions <laughs> and man am i happy about that 551 more with suits and fine tailored suits coming up Five fifty two sports ticker canada takes on honduras in world cup qualifying thursday night canada they're going to be without alfonso davies which is a big loss for them he's sidelined for the foreseeable future Canada is currently at the top of the table with 16 points. Honduras comes into the match sitting in last place with three points. The match kicks off in just a few minutes, or I guess over an hour from now. 7.05 Saskatchewan time. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. 61 minutes is a few minutes. That's fine. Yeah, 71 minutes. minutes. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Steve. Right. You got my back, man. That's no problem. I got you covered yeah. uh, on that one. Uh, Glenn Suter, Clayton Croker, Derek Taylor with you here on the cage. Gosh, we got so much to do. The Elks uh, making some more news. Uh, Suits, we didn't really get to talk about this because it happened five minutes before the show yesterday. Mm-hmm. But Chris Jones puzzles me. <laughs> to no end uh and not the releases today they released jonathan mincy hugh o'neill the punter who's been in the league for 10 seasons tyler higby who started some games at center deandre wesley offensive lineman nate anderson hugh o'neill uh again a decade in the cfl university of alberta guy uh his numbers last year were he had a bad punting year last year so i get that jonathan mincy i think is going to find a home in the canadian football league but he brought in or is bringing in a guy who hasn't been great or good in the CFL since 2016. And Adarius Bowman was phenomenal with those Edmonton Elks teams in 15 and 16. 17 injuries, 18 Winnipeg, Montreal. 
make make that acquisition make sense for me, please. It, it is the veteran factor. It really is. Uh, he, you know, uh, clearly he's looked at the roster that is currently with the Elks right now, the roster that they currently have, and he's saying, I need to bring in some veteran leadership here. And in that receiving core, remember, this is a receiving core with Darrell Walker still on their list and, and Greg Ellingson still there. And, you know, these are guys that are uh, right around the 30-year-old mark, I think. I think Darrell's 30 and Greg might be just Ellingson's, I think, 32, yeah. Yeah, 32. So they're they're really close. So, you know, I, I, I think it's the veteran factor. Again, you got to look at what will the role be. I think a Darius Bowman, at least I read a couple, a month or two ago, is living in Edmonton. And if he is still, then that's an interesting one that, you know, he was there, he's training. Both these guys, by the way, Manny Arsenault and Adarius Bowman are, are gym rats. I mean, they they will be in good shape, but the difference is they haven't been hit in a long time. Yeah. And they haven't had to recover from being hit in a long time. And as you get older, uh, you, the, the recovery is the problem. You can still do it. I've often said when people say, hey, you know, you can still play, even though I know they're lying through their teeth. when they look. <laughs> I, I, I often say, you know, yeah, maybe one play. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, then when my knee's over there and my groin was over there and my hamstring is gone another direction, uh, the recovery is the problem. So let's see. Both of these guys are great athletes. They both are training nuts. And, and they bring that veteran factor. And there has been some history of players in pro football, including receivers. Jerry Rice was in his 40s, I believe. But um, he played all the way through. He didn't stop playing in 18, take on a job at Knoxville Catholic High School like a Darius Bowman, <laughs> and come back. Literally, he did not play in 19. He barely – he wasn't very effective in 18. Didn't play in 19. Nobody played in 20. Didn't play in 21. Four yeah, years yeah. away. Yeah, I guess we're, you know, we're talking about a couple different things. Like, why did he, why did he bring them in? I think for the Manny, I get Manny. I sort of get right. Manny's a veteran. Manny's not too far removed. 19 Manny did some good stuff and you go, okay. Uh, The Darius Bowman one. I'm like, I, I get it. He was part of your team in 15. You guys won a great cup together and he was the dominant force, but there are other, (laughs) there are other guys. There are other guys. If, if this is a, if this is a secondary coach thing, where, hey, bring him to camp and we'll pay do a little coach. He's going to do some coaching more than anything and we'll dance around the coaching cap that way. I get it. That's that's the only way I can kind of process it in my brain because Bowman is not going to catch a pass in the CFL this year. Well, you know, that'd be I, a huge I, again, expectation. I, 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 I've kind of got my fingers crossed for these guys. I think back to when I was really excited for George Foreman when he was 45 and became <laughs> the heavyweight champion. You know, I, you, when you're an old guy, you look at these guys like like Tom Brady. You know, there's some quarterbacks. Damon Allen was in his 40s. Anthony Calvillo was in his 40s. Yep. Brady's there. Um, Danny McManus know, played very late into his. Yeah. Henry <laughs> Burris was in his 40s. So, you know, I I, I kind of cheer for these older guys to do well. Uh, but I think the expect, you know, the expectation is not that Manny or Darius Bowman is going to be the thousand yard go to one or two receiver in your team. That's, that's no, not, no, it. no. It's, you know, it's, it's again, it's that G Roy factor. It's coming over. If he can get you five or 600, maybe not even play every down, maybe not play every game. Um, and you can work them into the, 
to the to the pay structure. He's obviously not going to be a really high paid deal. So you you work it in for that veteran presence. Again, it's almost yeah. like a, a coach slash player. I mean, yeah. How important would Manny Arsenal be to Shy Ross in Edmonton? Oh, could be could be great. Manny's got a ton of stuff to teach, and Manny is a guy that that when he was here. I, I would notice how the other receivers and especially the young guys would gravitate to him. There you uh, go. That that's why they're doing it. But that's exactly why they're doing it. That's that's the only thing. There's there if 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 a Darius Bowman catches a pass for the Elks, then Chris Jones has done a terrible job at acquiring re- wide receiver talent on that team because there's twenty five year olds. You don't need a you don't need a thirty eight year old former superstar to to be doing this. it's it's yeah, it's head scratching. And final, I'm not going that direction. Box. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm not going that direction. If it's me, yeah, um, maybe Manny, maybe Manny would be one. I'd look at him, but um, but you know, I I understand why. And you look at the yeah, you look at the the Bombers and their back to back championships, veteran laden team in a lot of ways, a lot on defense for sure, but veteran team that Michael Shea will tell you over and over again. That's why we win. Because they control the room. He's Glenn Suter in fine tailored suits. Brought to you by Quality Tire. Ten locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, guys. 5.59. Clayton Croker. Mornings with Stacy and Clayton on 96.3 Cruise FM. Killed it once again, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend, buds. We'll talk to you Tuesday. See you, man. Clayton Croker with us on the cage. 5.59. News is next. Arash Madani on the other side. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 605 on a Thursday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You miss any of the show? Sports Cage on Demand, available for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. Arash Madani, you can imagine the sarcastic look that hit my face uh, when I saw the report that the convoy trucking across our country when it left Thunder Bay today was 113 vehicles long. 113 vehicles. I read there are 227,000 truckers in our great country, Derek. So Theo Fleury, 50,000 people are marching across the country. Uh, OPP and Thunder Base at 113 commercial vehicles and 276 personal vehicles. And really, this is what's been occupying news television news broadcast all those people all those people who left the trump inauguration must have gone to join the fifty thousand up there in theo flurry land <laughs> it's, it's uh it's incredible all right uh we talked a ton about brandon banks uh the uh, the uh tie cats and brandon banks agreeing to part ways whatever the truth of the story is parting ways after gosh he started there in 2013 he has been an influential uh player there for some time when did that whole thing begin to fall apart i i mean derek the the answer to that question i think when it reached the point of no return was this season uh there had been cracks along the way for a number of seasons banks showing up late to training camp or holding out and then like a flyer emerges of a party he's throwing in Atlanta or something like that, or Baltimore or something like that. Uh, so there, there had been issues along the way, and, you know, it's pro sports. Things get tolerated for a while until they don't get tolerated anymore, and they don't really get tolerated when your production um, falls. And that ultimately was this season. Banks, 
you know, was on and off the injured list. Um, he never really took off. He never really ignited. And he was just B. He wasn't speedy B anymore. Mm. And, you know, I remember talking to both Orlando Steinauer and Jeff Reinbold at Grey Cup Week. And, you know, they said that Banks kind of lost his smile and lost his zest. And Banks admitted that, you know, he was dealing with some mental health stuff and his family not being around. But Reinbold was very, very upfront. He said, Speedy's not the home run hitter that he used to be, but we're just, we were of the belief that in one game, talking about the Grey Cup, Mm -hmm. maybe something can happen. Maybe he can do it for one game on one night, you know, make one or two plays as a receiver on specials or, or something like that. So, Look, you know, the whole father time's undefeated thing, but this has been brewing for quite some time. It just reached the point where, quite frankly, Banks just didn't have much left anymore. So this was inevitable, but when the, you know, when the finality happens, it's still a bit of a uh, bit of a surprise. Because he's such an interesting character, and his career is is intriguing too. Uh, I mean, the 2014 Grey Cup was a big one, but Marshall Ferguson was talking about it earlier. Kent Austin, the head coach, had no inclination to use him at receiver at all. And then all of a sudden, Austin gets fired. June Jones takes over, and all of a sudden, Banks is the best receiver in the CFL just at the snap of a finger. Like that's, it took nothing to make him the best receiver in the CFL other than to give him an opportunity. How big was he ultimately in Hamilton? Well, he was huge. Um, and not just, well, I, let's look at this through two different lenses, DT. I, I'd say, one, he's an absolute pillar of a franchise player. Like when you think about the all-time great Ticat, the – you know, I'm going to miss a bunch while, while talking about this, but like, you know, the Danny McManuses of the world and the Rob Hitchcocks of the world and shoot, even Angelo Mosca's of the world. Brandon Banks is right there. As you mentioned, they're in 2013, like nearly a decade of service. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to people around the Ticats a few years ago and, you know, here I Usually when you have a star player in terms of jersey sales or who moves the needle when it comes to different business events, it's the quarterback. Not in Hamilton. It was always Speedy B. So from that standpoint, he was significant. Then you mentioned just, you know, the football player. Yeah. Home run hitter to the nth degree, could turn a game, could ignite, electrify, bring people out of their seats, but change the, change the whole complexion of the game in a hurry. But the other thing he did as a receiver, and June Jones was the one who really showed this. I, I was asking around to some people today about where Banks made his, made his money, so to speak, on offense. They said, yeah, the year he won MOP, he was great and he was the best player. But they said for a couple of years leading into that, Brandon Banks was most important on the offensive side of the football when he was used as a receiver knowing full well the quarterback was not going to get him the ball. Brandon Banks was such a weapon that he would draw so much attention and he would come across the formation or across the play and drag two, three, four defenders with him away from where the ball was actually targeted in going. 
he could be the ultimate decoy player because of his skill, because of his ability, because of how game-changing he was. And I think that's one of the real uh, compliments, one of the real feathers in the cap of what Banks was, that the Tiger Cats could use him knowing full well he wasn't going to get the ball. Mm-hmm. And that made him a weapon because of how much attention that drew from, from the opposing defense. Arash Madani of Sportsnet with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. And the bags of pee will be flying tonight. Canada and Honduras in a World Cup qualifier. Uh, Canada, gosh, tops in the group still. Yes, a game in hand over the U.S., 16 points, three consecutive wins leading to this one. Top spot in the group, unbeaten. Uh, this is a chance to avenge some old soccer wounds. Yes, and if, if people are listening and saying, what the hell is Derek talking about, bags of urine, um, I covered a World Cup qualifier there, DT. It's hard to believe it was 10 years ago in San Pedro Sula, at the time, per capita, it was the murder capital of the world. Canada had to go in there, get either a draw or a win to advance the final round of qualifying. They lost 8-1 to one that day in a hostile atmosphere, a stadium filled with barbed wire all over the place. But the fans literally fill bags, clear bags of piss, and throw it at the visiting teams. And that was the scene Canada encountered that <laughs> afternoon in 2012. <laughs> and, now, and now that entire roster, but two players, is gone. Atiba Hutchinson was on the field that day. He's now the captain of the team. Milan Borian was the backup goalkeeper. Yep. He's now the starter. And Canada has their best chance to make a World Cup in men's soccer since 1986, for the first time in 36 years. And to go back there to Honduras, where there are so many ghosts of, you know, of the past that just wait there, uh, it's going to be a scene there, but I just get the sense, DT, this is an altogether different team and a different group ready for it. I'm flashing back, Zinger, to a, uh, a famous Simpsons line. Uh, send me back. When by Sideshow Bob says, send me back to this urine-soaked hellhole. Uh, we would prefer you said pee-pee-soaked heckhole. I passed okay. out for a second when Arash said that. I, I fainted. Uh, bags of not uncommon, let's, let's say that. Streamers at TFC games, uh, bags of pee when you go to certain other ones. Uh, in other years, Arash... Not having your best player available, I mean, for a team like Canada would be a disaster. You feel like even though no Alfonso Davies tonight, that's not a big, as big a problem as, as it might have been in past years. Derek, they got depth. They got, they got a lot of players there. Jonathan David's among the better players in the world. Kyle Lahren, the guy, the, the snowbank celebration in Edmonton from a couple of months ago. Kyle Lahren has a chance very quickly to become the all-time leading scorer in Canadian men's soccer history with the national team. There is, you know, one of the players just signed with FC Porto, one of the top-end teams in not just the Portuguese division, but in Europe. There is, um, this, this is a real team with real depth, and they have themselves a real coach. What John Herdman did with the women's team, he is now doing with the men's team, and he's making the right tactical adjustments, the technical adjustments, the lineup adjustments there they should have davies back for march 
in the past, you wouldn't have one of the best players in the world. You'd say, well, that's it. It's over. There's no chance. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have Steve Nash with the men's basketball team, it's over. Forget it. Not anymore with the Canadian men's soccer team. It just speaks to how far they have come so quickly. Love it. I love it. Canada and Honduras. Honduras, no wins. Canada, no losses in their games uh, thus far. Uh, this just coming across, Arash Madani, the NBA naming its all-stars the East starters. Are you ready? Yep. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, sure. Kevin Durant, Trey Young. No surprise. Those four. Yeah. The, the fifth East All-Star starter, former Raptor DeMar DeRozan, is an All-Star starter. It's, it's one of the great renaissance stories. It's one of the great, um, just, I, I don't want to call it a comeback story, DT, but DeMar DeRozan, who's bounced around since, Toronto, went on to San Antonio, and now has found a home in Chicago. And he, like, and this is without hyperbole, has flat out dominated <laughs> in the NBA through the first half of the season. And DeMar is more comfortable in his own skin than ever before. Um, and he's now the vet, he's the elder statesman, and he's just really content on where he is professionally and personally. And there are few players in the NBA. And this, again, this is crazy to think about. I would say there might be 10 or 12 players in the NBA this season total more dominant than DeMar. And that's wild to think about. Well, he, and he, and he does it in, He's just never learned to shoot three-pointers. He's never been able to to get that skill, the, the dominant skill in the NBA right now. And, and in this season, this season with Chicago where he signed a, what I thought was an, an out, outsized contract, he's, he's been able to make it not mean a thing. With the talent around him and, and his skill set, he'll be a fan favorite forever because of this. 26 points a game, shooting 51% from the floor, and not even two three-point attempts a game. Those are, in the year 2022, those are fantastic numbers. Yeah, yeah, they're fan. And here's the thing with DeMar, and here's the thing with Giannis, is don't look now, but these two guys have made the mid-range game have a bit of a comeback. And, DT, how often do you and I talk about sports Football is not just a copycat league. Mm. Sports is copycat. And when pro sports franchises are, or now pro basketball franchises, are seeing Milwaukee win, and granted, Giannis is a, uh, feels like a once in a generation type yeah. figure, body, talent, all those things. But the Bucks won a championship with their franchise player being unable to hit a three. And now DeMar's doing this, and it's not just the perimeter game. There is a bit of a comeback to the mid-range game, and it's going to be interesting to see how the game, how the analytics folks, how, how game plans are, and how drafting, how signings um, are affected. I don't want to say change, but are affected. Yeah by what's happening with two of the five All-Stars, with 40% of the best players in the Eastern Conference now not relying solely on being turbo-shoot Steph Curry style. 
Yeah. I mean, Chicago with between Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball gets held up. Those guys attempt 15 threes a game between them and hit him at a over 40% clip. But there's there's room. DeMar's making some room for himself in Chicago. Uh, leading in the division, and I believe Zinger, you might know better. Tops in the East right now, or second in the East? Yeah, I think right the Miami now. Heat are Miami Heat. There you go. Up there now, but they were there for the longest time. The Bulls just just sitting on my Cleveland Cavaliers, a hundred to one to win the division. Oh man, it just gets better. They blew and better. out the Bucks last night. That was embarrassing. Right. Just getting better and better. Arash, thank you, brother. Great to talk to you on a Thursday. Have a fine weekend. Oh, uh, who do you got in the football games on Sunday? Well, I, speaking of futures, uh, the night I got I got the notification on my phone in late January of last year that Matthew Stafford had been traded to the Rams. I got the Rams at nineteen to one to win the Super Bowl. So I'm I've, I've had that in the can for a year. So I'm riding that one. And after last weekend, I don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but I would love to be carrying Rams at nineteen to one. Uh, in a game in which they are the favorite over the Niners. That is a sweet spot to be in. Thank you, brother. Okay, see you, boys. Rash Madani of Sportsnet in the Madani Report, brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533-621. I had a Slurpee on the way to work. It was Dr. Pepper. Zinger, we need to go over what kind of Slurpee I'm going to have on the way home because for some reason it feels like a two-Slurpee day. they got to bring a ginger ale Slurpee to town, man. That would be amazing. Can you imagine that? God, that sounds awful. We'll discuss it next in the cage. Still trying to scrape off my tongue from the thought of a ginger ale slurpee. I swear, I will. they're around. I've seen them before. I feel, I feel like I have too. It would never particularly appeal to me. You love your gingies. I love my gingies, man. I drink so, that. I drink that stuff like water, man. The one up by your not near your house. That's that feels like an unconventional set. It doesn't have the biggest selection of slurpees, right? I think it's an eight, not. Might be a 12, but I believe it's an 8 up yeah, there. It's an, yeah, it's definitely not 12. No. Okay, so it's an 8 up that way. Uh, the new one in the very east end, I think that's a 16. So oh, that might be the place to check. That's a whole wall. That's right? a whole wall dedicated to squishies. That's doing it right. Uh, the one on Quants is a 4-8. That might be a 16 as well. Oh, man. I can't. I can't believe I'm able to picture... All the Seven Elevens in our fair town. Well, you haven't been to the, just from memory. You haven't been to. A, oh yeah, I was at yours, uh, Rochdale. Yep. Really? Well, I the, didn't know that. The one it's it's right near your grandfather's place, Kleisinger Crescent. Oh no, I'm talking like way more no, way more north. I've I've officially now hit everyone, but where's the one you're talking about? Rochdale, Rochdale Boulevard. It's on the corner. Uh, it's. Uh, not not Avonhurst. What's that? Uh, Elf? Uh, not Elphinstone. What Pulling is, up a map as we speak here. What is that street that's uh, that's separating? Uh, I can't I can't picture it. It's, uh, uh, it's Devonshire. Devonshire. Okay. Rochdale and Devonshire. That that's my that's my closest uh, sev. So I don't think you've been to that one, man. Oh no, I've been to, I've been to them all. I made sure during the pandemic that I hit every you've single. You've been one to of them. that one? I've been to all. Come on, oh, Zing. Man. Come on, Zing. When you're uh, when you're addicted like I am, you will go to great lengths to feed your addiction. Yeah, but no, the the best sev in the city by far is the one on Clayson Crescent. I mean, come on, named after my great grandpy. <laughs> 
Uh, the one at Winnipeg in Victoria, not the best one in the t- in well, that's, the, a, that, that's a safe one, yeah. That's the uh, that's the. Oh, hey, the guy's there. Okay, so I can get uh, I can get my uh, my lays. I can get my uh, Slurpee, and I can get my. Uh, and there's one on what Thirteenth Ave, Thirteenth uh, Avenue, I think it is. Are you talking the Albert Street one? No, if you if you keep going down uh, Louvain instead of turning oh, onto Saskatchewan, yeah, Drive. yeah, before you get to Louvain, yeah, 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 that yeah that one in there, that one has to, they, they they redid their parking lot last summer, which I thought was great because it was a little rough in the beginning. Oh wow! But yeah, they redid their parking lot. That one's got fewer Slurpees though. That one is is that one an eight? But you have to go to the counter to get your straws. Uh, shout out to the real ones who leave the straws back near the Slurpee machine, oh. and they don't have to be awkward like that. Remember, God, I can't believe. Remember the time. Remember the time period. Great for me. The time period when they would give you the straws and the lids at the counter. Like, did you experience that? Oh, during COVID, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not great. What's the difference between leaving like the cup so, and then compared to having a guy at the till is smothering his dirty hands on my lid, and then I have to put that lid onto my drink? Like, we just had we just had no idea what COVID was, right? Like two years ago, we like two years ago say two months from now so 22 months ago we had no idea what was going on we just thought we can't have people touching stuff or near it or breathing on it and don't come and yeah man it is a disturbing uh recollection of the seven elevens in our province so you gotta find a ginger ale uh ginger ale one on the way home i don't care if you if if you're driving around regina until 10 p.m (laughs) I'll go. I'll go to. I'll drive up Chuka Boulevard and see if I can find the they, one in the new oh, zone. Do you know what they need? Maybe I should take this to the Shark Tank. I need to create an app where you can check what flavor of Slurpees are at. Oh my god! Or at each like gas station or Seven oh, Elevens. Get the Seven Eleven app. If there was a push notification of, yeah. hey, we've brought back uh, Mango Habanero wow. from three years ago that I had in Moose Jar four years ago, and it was amazing. Do you think Mark Cuban would slide me a quick? Quick million or oh, whatever. I think there's something to this. There's something in there, man. For sure. Uh, squishy God. notification app. You can call it squishy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, 627 tomorrow on the cage. Plenty of rider talk. There will, no Luke Mullender. He's away for a couple days, uh, but he'll be back with us just off the show for a couple days. Mike Edom will be with us. We will talk to, uh, I believe we're going to talk to, to uh, Jason Shivers. Very excited to talk to him re-upped through 2013 the pats play tomorrow nationally televised game as well you'll want to listen to it with us and perhaps you can see the video on the tv sarah orleski chase the ace it is a packed friday of sports talk and we certainly hope you'll join us wherever you are thank you so much for being with us if you're live if you're listening on demand thank you for for uh, being with us we appreciate you taking in the sports cage we are back tomorrow with plenty more